Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Trap Game Podcast. It is me, your host, Mark. Um, first off, I am feeling a little under the weather, so if it does go quiet for a minute, I'm probably coughing, so my mic will be muted, um, so you guys don't have to listen to that. So, um, just a forewarning. Um, but yeah, I wanted to start this off with a quick update of my last video. You know, we went over what went right with the Yankee season, what mostly went wrong, what we think we can do to hopefully improve the team. Um, well, that is off to a flying start. Um, they brought back Aaron Boone on a three-year deal. We already know how I felt about that. I just kind of wanted to go over really quick because we are going to get into picks this week. Um, hopefully win a little bit of money. Um, but just the absolute buffoonery that went into the press conference and the explanations as to why they fired Phil Nevin, why they got rid of Marcus Thames. First off, they said they got rid of Phil Nevin because he was in Aaron Boone's ear and he was helping him make decisions. So who was the manager? Was it Aaron Boone or was it Phil Nevin? Because if that's the case, why in the world is Boone listening to his third base coach anyway? And why is he coming back? Why don't you just make Phil Nevin the manager? And then Brian Cashman, on his during their press conference, has the audacity, first of all, to question why fans are questioning Hal Steinbrenner on the money he's spending. He was able to come up with two examples of the money Hal has been spending since he took the team over. Garrett Cole, okay, I'll give you that one. And John Carlos Stan, which you traded for and had the Marlins kick in $30 million to help offset that contract. So don't sit there, Cashman, and tell us that we shouldn't be questioning Hal Steinbrenner's spending. When you can only come up with two examples, what an absolute asshat to come at the fans for being mad that we're spending the shitty money and we're not getting results after you bring back Aaron Boone, who has gotten us no results in the playoffs. Then you go and say, oh yeah, well, I was, I was sitting down with a couple other GMs and uh, yeah, they said they thought Aaron Boone was doing a great job. Hey, ass, you're talking to other GMs. Of course they're going to tell you that Aaron Boone's doing a good job. I'm sure they told you that Andrew Heaney is an ace. I'm sure they told you that Gary Sanchez is the best defensive catcher in the league. So we're going to sign him to a 10-year, $300 million deal? What an idiot. And you know this is just going to keep going on. The Yankees are complacent. We're going to be dumb enough to keep spending our money and watching these guys because they're going to keep making money. Hal Steinbrenner's worth $3.8 billion and is acting like he's some impoverished little, you know, he lives in a third world country. God forbid they spend a little bit more money trying to win a championship. They haven't even been to the World Series since 2009. It just shows how complacent they are. It's really upsetting. I hope. They actually go and do something, but, you know, like I said in the episode before, they were going to tell us 
hey, we have the right guys. We have the right guys. What did he say? I'm paraphrasing. He has the right ingredients in the clubhouse to win a championship. Sounds pretty similar to what I was saying. They've been telling us this bullshit for the last four years. Nothing's going to change. They're going to bring in a couple cheap guys that they think are going to plug the holes. We might go get Carlos Correa. I pray to God that we don't. I hope we, I really, really hope we get Corey Seager. Change some things up. You know, this isn't a one or two change thing that's going to help this team win. They have to make five or six significant changes to the roster this year for them to hopefully, hopefully, truly contend for a World Series. It's like, like, we have to watch the Astros back. And, and again, how are we cheering for the Astros? Granted, I hate the Red Sox. I love to see it's it's a I'm a, in a weird position here. I love to see the Red Sox lose, but I also see love to see the Astros lose. And anytime either of them win, I'm happy that they're winning, but also hate that they're winning, and happy that the other team is losing, but also want them to win so the other team gets eliminated. It's very weird. I'm in a very weird spot right now. I'm cheering hard for the Atlanta Braves. They have another three one lead on the Dodgers. Hopefully they don't play, blow it like they did last year. Um, but yeah, I just had to get that off my chest because everything I said in my previous video, they are literally doing the exact opposite. And I know that I'm just some guy with a podcast, but it's not that hard to figure out that a guy that's not winning you games that blew so many crucial games it literally, if we won one or two, not even, if we won one of those games that Aaron Brune mismanaged last year, we're hosting the wild card game. Just one. That stuff matters. And he's not the guy that's going to get us there. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Hockey's back. The NBA is back. College basketball is about to start. It's a good time of the year. It's a good time of the year. Not to mention football. Week 7. Let's get into some picks, shall we? Today. Now, you guys probably won't listen to this in time. But we have the Broncos, Browns. Cleveland is minus 1.5. The over-under is 41. I'm sorry. On a short week... They just got beat up by the Cardinals. Baker Mayfield's not healthy. They're still missing their tackles. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones is like their number one receiver right now. And I'm not saying he's not a good player. But how do you go to the window and lay any kind of points with Cleveland this week? I know the Broncos aren't, you know, like a juggernaut by any means. And they aren't a three-game skid. There, there's a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball, but man, like the Browns did not look at all impressive. I'm going to take the Broncos here at plus one and a half just because Baker's playing injured. Nick Chubb's not playing. Kareem Hunt's not playing. Jarvis Landry's still out. <coughs> Give me the Broncos. Give me the Broncos. And I mean, give me the Broncos here at the minus or the plus one and a half over under 
I'd lean the under here. I think this is going to be a sloppy game. It looks like it's going to rain in Cleveland. Like, a lot of running by a couple running backs that really aren't that good. Um, the defenses should be able to wrap it up. Uh, yeah, give me the Broncos and the under. Moving into Sunday, the 1 p.m. games, the Washington football team at the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay is minus 7.5. Now, I know everyone loves to bet the Packers. Aaron Rodgers looks like a man on a mission again after that week one absolute embarrassment to the Saints. Um, give me the Redskins here, and I'll tell you why. Thursday night, this upcoming Thursday, Cardinals, Green Bay, in Arizona. Now, I'm not saying Green Bay is going to lose, but that is a massive, massive Thursday night game. And I don't think the Packers are really going to want to, you know, especially against Washington, I don't think they're going to want to be out there like really, really pushing the pace here. I think they're going to want to kind of just coast to make sure no injuries happen so they're ready to go into Thursday night. Give me, give me Washington to cover, <laughs> if anything. I would tease the Packers down if you're going to do a tease or parlay. Give me Washington plus the seven and a half. It'll probably be, and I think it'll stay the same by kickoff. 48 and a half is the total. Washington isn't, isn't exactly a uh, offensive juggernaut. The Packers are scoring a lot, but again, I just don't think they're going to have their foot on the, the gas this entire game. So, again, I'm leaning the under here. I think the Packers win. I, I think they win by a touchdown, and that hook's going to get you if you go with the Packers. <coughs> going into the Chiefs and Titans, KC is minus 4.5 on the road here. What? What? Give me the Titans, plus the 4.5, like... The Titans haven't looked good really this year, but at least they're still four and two. And they just come off a convincing fun win over Buffalo on Monday night. And what have the Chiefs done? They beat some bad teams. The three and three. Patrick Mahomes' brother Jackson is the new Juju Smith Schuster of the NFL. So not only are they not playing well, the defense is absolute Swiss cheese. I think they just lost Tyron Matthew to a broken thumb. The already bad defense loses probably their best player in the secondary, at least. How do you how do you go? And Casey doesn't even cover. They don't cover spreads anymore. I think they've covered like maybe two or three spreads in the last year and a half. Give me KC. Derrick Henry is going to have like 500 rushing yards this game. Get like Ryan Tannehill hasn't had a good year, but I think he's going to be able to bounce back. He has AJ Brown back. I think Julio went out with an injury again, but he even he hasn't been really a factor at all this year. So I mean, I love the Titans. This is on a short list of super lock for me, or like my best bet of the week. <laughs> um, shoot, I, I I'd like some shares in the Titans on the money line this week. Um, over 57 and a half, it's 
probably going to be a shootout. Both off, I mean, don't get me wrong. Casey's offense is still a powerhouse. But I think the Titans are going to be able to keep up with them. And surprisingly enough, as bad as the Titans defense is, it, I think it is a little bit better than Casey's. And I think they will be able to make that one stop at the end of the game like they did against Buffalo. Uh, give me Casey or uh, the Titans. Love the Titans in this spot. Moving on to the Falcons and the Dolphins. Atlanta is minus two and a half. The over under is 47 and a half. Looks like you're going to have some, some thunderstorms out there this weekend. Um, <coughs> what, what are these teams? Atlanta's bad, subjectively bad. But the Dol- like the Dolphins were so overhyped coming into this year. They're one in five. Tua is definitely not looking like a top five pick. Um, man, what a swing and a miss on that one, huh? You had Justin Herbert going right behind you, and that kid is an absolute superstar. But you know, it's the Dolphins. When's the last time they've been good? Not in a while. I mean, this defense, it's supposed to be so good. Jacoby Brissett, I mean, he's played serviceably, but you're one in five. Tua is back. But does that really, I mean, over Jacoby Brissett, does that really move the needle for you that much? (coughs) I'm not a fan of laying points. With a bad team on the road. So, that being said, I will take the Dolphins as the home dog this week. Um, they aren't a good team, but at home getting points, I mean, it's not like Atlanta is that much better than them. Miami can easily win this game. Um the over under 47 and a half again it just i just can't see a lot of scoring in this game both offenses really aren't that great the defenses you know maybe the dolphins defense shows up a little bit this week like everyone thought they were going going to this year um yeah give me give me the dolphins give me the dolphins at the plus 2 and a half moving on to The Jets and Patriots. New England is minus seven. Patriots are two and four. The Jets are one and four. The over-under is 42 and a half. I know the Jets are terrible. They are horrible. And Matt Jones isn't too bad. And they have Bill Belichick. And it's at home. And Bill Belichick absolutely terrorizes rookie quarterbacks. So I'm not going to overthink it. We're going to take New England minus a seven here. Again, this is like another where one where like I don't like laying seven points with a not great team. The Patriots are very middle of the road this year. They're going to lose to the really good teams. They'll beat. They'll beat the occasional bad team. They almost lost to the Texans the week before they played the Cowboys. Um, I don't feel good about it, but I'm more banking on the Jets just getting in their own way rather than 
them being able to be competitive with the Patriots. Um, this looks like a game to me that I think the Patriots can put up like 28 points. So at 42 and a half, you're looking for the Jets to score you about 17. Um, that's a tall order. The Jets haven't really been scoring a lot this year. So again, I hate it. And I know I'm going to be wrong on one of these, but yeah, I'm leaning the under again and I don't like it, but yeah, it's just two middle of the road teams the Jets aren't going to score a ton. Like I said, the Patriots are probably capping out at around 28 points. Because um, the defense is like the one thing on the Jets that isn't completely terrible. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, let's take the Patriots minus the seven. Again, this is kind of another tease spot where I'd feel really comfortable teasing the Patriots down. All right. The Panthers and the Giants. Carolina is minus three. The over, under is 43. <sighs> now, look, I know I just said that I don't want to lay points with a team that's not that great on the road. But I do believe that Carolina is ahead above the New York football giants. <clears throat> They don't have Saquon yet. Daniel Jones absolutely got his head knocked off a couple weeks ago, and then they trotted him out, and it looked, you know, he looked like he was hurt. He definitely did. He, they got absolutely trounced by the Rams last week. I think this is a good bounce-back spot for the Panthers. They have been a very different team since Christian McCaffrey went down. Um, but absolutely – I'm taking the Panthers here to get back on track. Minus the three. Um, the over under 43. The Giants can sp score some points. The Panthers can score some points. I'm leaning the over here of the 43. Um, I just I just think the Panthers, you know, as bad as they've looked these last three weeks, the Giants have looked even worse. Um, so, like I said, uh, Matt Rule's a good coach. I think he can get the Panthers back here. Um, yeah, let's, let's take the Panthers at the minus three. And I feel good about that. I do feel good about that one. Possibly, and I can't believe I'm saying it, but possibly the game of the week with the Bengals and the Ravens. Bengals are turning some heads. Really should be five and one. They really should be. Um, and whatever, you know, lackluster showing they had against the bears, you put them, I, I think you play the bears again this year. The Bengals would absolutely demolish the bears. It's just a weird spot for them. Um, that being said, Baltimore minus a six and a half, the over under at 47. <clears throat> I hate that. It's not a full touchdown. I hate it. If it was a full touchdown, I would absolutely take the Bengals um, because their offense, that's a real deal. Their offense is good. Joe Mixon is back. He's looking good. Jamar Chase probably has the inside track for the offensive rookie of the year. Um, that Joe Burrow 
connection with him has paid off so well. I didn't like it. I thought they should have went and uh, taken Panay Sewell from Oregon. And, I mean, that kid's been a stud in Detroit too. But Jamar Chase has been an absolute game changer on this offense. As much as I know I'm going to regret it, I'm going to believe in the Bengals here. The Ravens, they usually, this is the thing with the Ravens, and it has been the thing with them for the last few years. Absolutely, they looked awesome. Awesome against the Chargers last week. This is a classic, classic letdown spot. Big emotional win. They had to get up. They beat down the Chargers this week. They might be overlooking the Bengals a little bit, you know. I don't think everyone's bought into the Bengals just yet, and that's completely fine because the Bengals, uh, you know, they haven't really proven anything in the last few years. Like I said, five missed field goals against the Packers. You know, they're they're five and one. They're five and one if they make one of those kicks. I'm believing in the Bengals here. Their their defense is not as bad as they've looked. And if you, I know it's hard to do if you can keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket and limit how much he uses his legs, you give yourself a really, really good chance to win against this team. Um, I'm taking the Bengals at the plus six and a half. The over under a 47, I think this is going to be an absolute boat race. I think it could go over in the first half. Now that's a little much, probably not, just kidding, but over 47, give me the Bengals at the plus six and a half. I know I'm going to regret it. I hope not. But we'll see how that goes. We really will. Okay. Heading into the afternoon games, and there are some big spreads. The afternoon slate is not that impressive. Um, First, you have the Eagles and the Raiders. Las Vegas, minus three against the Eagles. Again, like the Eagles are not a good team. They're just not. But the Raiders last week, big emotional game, a division game against the Broncos. It's the game after you, uh, after John Gruden is, resigns. Everyone kind of emotionally has to get up for that game because by all accounts, the team liked John Gruden. So, I just, it, it, again, this is a good, this is more it being a good spot for the Eagles to take advantage of what happened to the Raiders last week more than me not believing in the Raiders. Um, I'll take the Eagles plus the three here, the over under at 48 and a half. Um, I don't really have a lean either way. I just, I, I think this is going to be a slow game. Derek Carr has looked good. He really has. Um, uh, just, yeah, the Eagles The Eagles just look too good here to pass up at that plus three. I, I really, really like it this week. I don't really have much to say about that game past that. Um, we'll move on to the Rams and the Lions. 
The Rams minus 15 against the 0-6 Lions. Big spreads like this, not a huge fan of. Um, let me see here. So the Rams have the Texans next week. Um, I think this is a really good spot for the Rams. Um, not a whole bunch of stress. I think they can run what they've been doing um, outside the game against the Cardinals. The Rams have been, you know, one of the top teams in the NFL this year. The Lions have not, you know. Um, <laughs> that being said, though, Jared Goff coming back to L.A., um, I give me the Lions in the first half. I don't know what it's sitting at, but I imagine it's going to be a little bit, probably like eight to nine. Give me the Lions. Jared Goff is going to—he's going to come in this juiced against his former team. He's going to want to prove himself. He's going to want to shut up Rams fans, you know, for not believing in him. Um, I think he's going to be able to keep it close in the first half, <clears throat> and then the Rams are going to wear them down. You know, I, I feel like the Rams are going to run away with this definitely in the second half more than anything. So give me the Lions in the first half. Give me the Rams for the total game. The over under 50 and a half. Um, this like screams 35 to 10, 35 to 3. 50 and a half is way too big of a number for this game, especially against a really, really bad Lions team that doesn't really score a lot. Um, and, you know, the Rams just, just beat down. Um, who did they just play? Why am I drawing a blank? Well, they just beat down oh yeah, the, the Giants. They just beat, they just gave up three points to the Giants. You think the Lions are going to be putting up 10, 17, 20 points? Absolutely not. Um, Rams. Total under Lions first half. Moving on, my boys, the Arizona Cardinals against the Houston Texans. Arizona with the biggest spread of the week, minus 17 and a half. Holy cow. Never in my life did I think I would see the Cardinals as a three score favorite. <laughs> They've earned it though. What a season it's been. I watch the Cardinals very closely. You guys know that. Um, I knew that going into the year, I knew that they were better than the projections of them finishing last. You know, just, uh, just the same disrespect that they get every year, which, you know, a lot of the times is well-deserved. <coughs> they get off to a good start last year, lose their last three, can't make the playoffs. But then, you know, they go out this year. They get J.J. Watt. They get A.J. Green. They go get Rodney Hudson. They have a perfect, perfect balance right now of younger guys that can make plays and established veterans that can control a locker room, can keep these guys' heads even, and 
go out and play hard every week. They're never going to have a game where they overlook someone, which last year they did. They got they got a little bit too big for their britches when they started off, you know, whatever they did, and absolutely faltered down the stretch. They beat the Rams in L.A. Everyone was picking against them in Cleveland. Don't say you weren't, because everyone was picking against the Cardinals in Cleveland this last week, and they go and absolutely smash them in. Go ahead. Yeah, make your excuses. Baker was hurt. Everyone was hurt on their defense. Odell was hurt. They didn't have Jarvis Landry. Cardinals didn't have Chandler Jones. The Cardinals didn't have their head coach, which I will admit, I believe that that actually helps them. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is a good coach at all. Um, with the team they have, I think it would be very hard to not be as good as they are. Um, so they are, uh, they're making him look a lot better than I think the coach he actually is. They did it without Rodney Hudson. who's been the absolute backbone of that offensive line. I don't remember the last time the Cardinals have had an offensive lineman as good as Rodney Hudson. Matt Prater has been amazing. That being said, this week I'm picking the Texans. Let me tell you why. I do not think in any sense of the word that the Cardinals are going to lose this game. But they can still dominate this game and win by 17 and not cover. It's just too many points. And the only reason... I'm not taking them this week is because of Thursday night. <coughs> I don't think they're looking past the Texans by any means. Because like I said, they want to keep proving how good of a team they are. They want to get all this, oh, the Bills are better. The the Buccaneers are better. You know, like they, they want to get all that out of there. They're going to keep proving themselves every week. And J.J. Watt is a prime example of, you know, this is his old team. This is his first game against his old team. You don't think he's going to be fired up? You don't think D-Hop is fired up to play these guys anytime? Gave him up for a second-round pick, DeAndre Hopkins, probably a top-three wide receiver in the NFL. But like I said, I just think at least this week, you might get a backdoor cover by the Texans. Um, I just don't think it's like if this, if the Cardinals are playing the Packers next Sunday, I would have taken the Cardinals, but on a short week, Thursday night, biggest Thursday night game of the year so far, this is their first nationally televised game this year. They're going to, they're going to score enough to be comfortable. And I think they're kind of going to just be happy there, get the starters out of the game as soon as they can. Um, be healthy. That, that's the name of the game right now is being healthy going into that, that Green Bay game because that will be a massive, massive statement if they can go in. Or Well, the game is in Arizona, but, you know, everyone loves Aaron Rodgers. Everyone loves the Packers. If they can beat the Packers and go 8-0, that's what they're looking for right now. They're not looking past the Texans per se, 
you know, I think they have bigger things on their mind other than a one of five Houston team. Um, so yeah, I'll take the Texans plus the 17 and a half this week. Um, over under 47 and a half. I can see the Texans putting up a couple cheap scores there at the end. Um, you know, I could very easily see this being like 28, 14. Um, give me the, it's going to be under, I think, um, We'll go on to the Bears and the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers minus 12 and a half over under 47. <sighs> you, I got it. I hate it. I got to take the Bucks here. The Bears just aren't an impressive team. It just seems like a game where the Buccaneers, it'll be close for the majority of the game, the Buccaneers will have like a seven to ten point lead. You're not; it's going to look like you're not going to cover, and then the Bears are just going to make some dumb. Justin Fields, in particular, is going to make some dumb rookie mistake. The Buccaneers are going to get the ball late, punch one in. Buccaneers are going to win by seventeen. That's what it feels like. I was like blindly betting the Buccaneers because they're just the better team. You know, the Bears are okay. Be awesome. Be awesome if the Bears could go into the, uh, Tampa and upset them. But I just don't see it happening here. Tampa Bay minus 12 and a half. Sunday night, the Colts at the Niners. San Francisco minus four. Um, looks like we're going to get some rain here. <clears throat> From what it sounds like, is Jimmy G supposed to be playing in this game? Um are the Colts a bad team? Are the Niners a bad team? Who's worse? Probably the Colts. I will say Carson Wentz is kind of rounded back in the form here a little bit. Like T.Y., he went down with another injury again, but he was having a great game before he went down. Um, <clears throat> at home... <clears throat> Sunday night, minus four. I'll take the Niners. I don't really feel good about it just because the Colts have been playing better as of late. Um, and the Niners are still dealing with a ton of injuries. They don't have George Kittle. Who knows how good Jimmy G is going to be back coming off of his injury, um, even if he does play. Um, Trey Lance hasn't been super impressive. <clears throat> if Trey Lance plays, I'll take the Colts. If Jimmy G plays... I will take the Niners just because he's a better game manager. He's not going to make a ton of mistakes. Um, yeah, you know, Trey Lance can use his feet to get around, but he hasn't really shown the arm talent yet. Um, and that's why the Niners are 2-3 and three going into this week. They are coming off their bye. Um, so hopefully they're a little bit healthier. So, yeah, like I said, Jimmy G, Niners. Justin, or, uh, Trey Lance, Colts. Should be, actually, I think this is going to be a really good game. I think it's going to be a really good game. The Colts seem like they have figured it out. Um, so, yeah, it should be a good one. You know, I'm obviously hoping the Colts win. So it helps the Cardinals a little bit. But we'll see. I, I think the Niners are the better team here. Monday night, the Saints at the Seahawks. New Orleans minus the four and a half. Over under 42 and a half. Again, the Saints are just in that weird <coughs> that weird spot where you're like, we don't know if they're a good team 
We don't know if they're a bad team because they've had weeks where they've looked really, really good. And then they've had weeks where they've looked really, really bad. And they lost Taysom Hill, who's their, you know, crazy enough. He's like their biggest playmaker on offense. They can use him in any which way. So <laughs> that does make their offense like crazy as it sounds. It makes their offense a little bit more one-dimensional. They don't have to worry about this kid anytime he comes in. Is he going to run? Is he going to throw? Is he going to catch? Is he going to do this? But then again, the Seahawks, Geno Smith. Not convinced. I'm going to, I'm, I don't want to just because, like I said, you don't really know what the Saints are. <coughs> um, but I'm going to take New Orleans here minus the four and a half. Um, over under 42 and a half. I think both teams are going to be able to put up points in this game. I can definitely see like, 31, 28, 28, 24, either way, you're still getting there. <coughs> um, yeah, Saints and the over. And that does it for this week's games. On the bye, the Bills, the Cowboys, the Vikings, Steelers, Chargers, and the Jags. Um Two of the better teams on by this week. Three. I mean, if you think the Chargers are, if you count them in that upper echelon of teams, um, definitely a good week for them to get right. The Bills coming off a loss. The Cowboys, <laughs> as much crap as I like to like to talk about the Cowboys, they're proving they're proving some people wrong, including me. Um, I think they're what they're five and one. Five and one this year, and you know they they look good doing it. They really do. <laughs> they haven't, you know, the loss to the Buccaneers. They barely beat the Chargers. They haven't really played anyone like super good outside of that. But hey, you can only beat the people in front of you. When's the last time we've seen the Cowboys five and one? Um, good for them. I'm sure at some point it'll inevitably, excuse me, come crashing down around them like it usually does. Um, but yeah, should be a good Sunday. Like I said, so many sports are coming back. I can't wait for Xavier basketball. I can't wait for college. I don't really follow the NBA too, too closely, but hey, the Bill or the Bulls are looking at, like they're a decent team again. Now that I'm living in New York, I'll definitely be following the Knicks and the Nets a little bit closer. Um, the Knicks won an absolute crazy game yesterday, like 141 to 138. Knights are off to a slow start, one and two. I'm going to touch on that real quick, too. The experiment of this offense has not been looking good yet. <coughs> I know it's only three games into the season. <coughs> I 
We lost, lost patches. We lost stone. Nolan Patrick doesn't, I mean, I haven't even heard his name on the broadcast yet. But, Knights fans, for my friends back home, please stop hating on Leonard. The dude is the only reason we were in the game yesterday. He's your starting goalie. Accept it. He is the guy. Fleury has been horrible in Chicago. He's 0-3. He's given up 7. He has a goals against average of 7.06. He has a save percentage, save percentage under 850. What would you be saying now? What would you be saying if this was happening here? Oh, we need Leonard in net. Shut up. You don't get to say that anymore. You guys have already talked enough shit about him. Get on the train. Forget about Flurry. He's not on the team anymore. Give Leonard your support. The dude needs it. Or not going anywhere this year again. That's all I have to say about that. We'll get into hockey a little bit more. It's too early into the season. <coughs> I'm just so sick of any time the Knights lose. This is why we shouldn't have traded Flurry. This is why. Shut up. The dude is like 30. He's 38. Playing on a $9 million contract. Get real. Guys don't understand the business side of sports yet. I get it. A lot of you are new fans. Leonard is the guy. He's going to be the guy for a long time. He's a good goaltender. Flurry doesn't even exist anymore. Forget he even happened. <clears throat> until he retires, until he, you know, maybe comes back and works for the Knights, he is no longer a thing. Didn't even happen. It's Leonard. Support the guy. He's your goaltender now, not Flurry anymore. Stop whining anytime we lose. Of course, Leonard's going to lose when he's when you know the defense is letting three and one takeaways or three and one odd man rushes. Yeah, that's really Leonard's fault that he has to face three guys and the defense is nowhere to be found. Come on, be smarter. You guys are smarter than that. But anyway, y'all have a great day. Hopefully this Thursday night game isn't a total just tank bowl of a game. It's going to be terrible, I think. I probably won't be watching. I'll probably hopefully be watching the Braves eliminate the Dodgers from the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I will see you guys next week. Um, Halloween week. Stay spooky. Stay safe, most importantly. And we will talk to you guys next week. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Bye.